0: COVID standoff. I'll stand behind them. The Hope restaurant openly defying an order to shut down and why the owner won't follow the rules. Expanding COVID health orders.
1: The only actual
2: workable solution here is for this to be provincial.
0: More masks and widespread vaccine mandates to crush the fourth wave. And 100 days after disaster.
3: I'm really easily triggered the smell of smoke
0: lytton residents speak out about the slow recovery from wildfires
4: you're watching global bc
5: this is global news hour at six
0: good evening and thanks for joining us bc has reached a tragic new milestone in our fight against the covid 19 pandemic in the past 24 hours we have 743 new cases Active cases still hover just below 6,000, but five more people have died from complications of the virus, and that pushes us over the 2,000 deaths threshold. 360 people are in hospital, 137 of those patients in the ICU. And 82.2% of eligible British Columbians, 12 and older, are now fully vaccinated. Now, the owner of a Fraser Valley restaurant continues to defy orders to check for vaccination passports despite having her license pulled and racking up daily fines. And as Paul Johnson reports, the Hope Eatery could end up paying an even bigger price.
1: It's time to fight. If we don't fight, we're going to be like China and Russia and every other place
6: casting themselves as freedom fighters in an epic battle against totalitarianism. The proprietors and supporters of Roley's restaurant doubled down on their cause Friday.
1: Just did payroll yesterday, 39 checks without mine. So there's 40 people supported by this place. Roley's owners
6: came out to encourage the demonstrators applauding their defiance, which is presumably taking an ever greater toll on their bottom line as fines, a yanked business permit, and the threat of yet more action loom over the refusal to comply with the rule to check for vaccination status. So Raleigh's is just the latest in what's actually been a fairly short list of restaurants in B.C. that have defied some component of the public health orders. None have succeeded in getting the government to back off, and for many, it's been costly in the form of fines, and in many cases, orders to shut down. I'm disappointed that they went this route. District of Hope Mayor Peter Robb is stunned that Rolies would gamble with the decades of goodwill they've built up. And in a town with 30 percent are unvaccinated, this is not the fight he wants for hope right now.
7: It's dividing the town. The whole vaccine and not vaccine. I personally think they should be closed down. I think they should be penalized.
6: Our unofficial poll Friday found Hope residents divided by about the same proportion as their vaccination number.
8: Regulations that are being imposed on us right now, more for freedom.
6: Roley's owners declined an opportunity to talk to Global News Friday. While their defiance may be a moral strategy that works for them, whether it works as a business strategy is much less certain. In Hope, Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: Now to some breaking news and the province set to expand the mask mandate for younger kids in public spaces. The health ministry says the provincial health officer will revise the public health order requiring masks be worn at indoor public settings to include children five years and older. They say it aligns better with the school mask requirement that came into effect earlier this week. More details are expected to be announced at a briefing next week. Now, the pressure to expand the vaccine mandate isn't easing up on the B.C. government from those who want one to apply to all school district employees. Both TransLink and ICBC are announcing today they are making vaccines mandatory. And Richard Zussman has more on the B.C. Teachers Federation ramping up its demand, Richard, for the same rules across the board in schools.
7: Yeah, and add BC Transit to that list as well, Chris, they announced today that all of their employees, including transit drivers, must be immunized by November 29th. And the one outlier here continues to be the school system where for now there is no universal mandate to ensure those in the system are fully immunized getting on board with mandatory vaccines.
3: We know that vaccination is our best shield against the virus and implementing this policy adds another layer of protection for our employees and our customers.
7: TransLink and BC Transit announcing Friday all employees will be required to show proof of full COVID-19 vaccination. This includes bus drivers, SkyTrain staff and contractors. It's still unclear how many still need the shot. Or what will happen to service if drivers can't work due to reluctance to get immunized?
3: For those who haven't been vaccinated, we hope this incentivizes them to go and get their shot.
7: The dominoes are starting to fall when it comes to vaccine mandates. Just this week, the provincial government, BC Hydro, BC Ferries, TransLink, BC Transit and ICBC announced plans for their workers to be fully immunized by the end of November. Still standing, with no mandate, the province's school system.
2: We feel confident there is a provincial solution, and we're seeing provincial mandates roll out in other parts of the the country as well.
7: The BC Teachers Federation and QP pushing for its members to get immunized. But for now, the province will not require a province-wide vaccine mandate. The reason, they argue, they aren't the employer. Instead, leaving it to all 60 school districts to make their own decisions.
2: We see a district-by-district approach as being completely unworkable and could potentially be destabilizing to the system. And so we don't think there's any other option. And in fact, we would only support a provincial approach.
7: As workplaces grapple with mandates, most service users won't be required to get the shot. It's currently not being considered to require people to be immunized to ride transit the federal government explaining why train and plane travelers must get a COVID-19 vaccine while BC Ferries customers don't.
9: These ferries actually have room for people to board and to uh, stay separate from uh, from each other. So there is a, a safety factor in that. And the other is that some of our ferries are very essential uh, to the communities that they serve.
7: And one thing to watch really closely for, Chris, on the school issue is Dr. Bonnie Henry will be reviewing information expected late next week or early the week after around transmission of COVID-19 in the school system. And if that data does show that we're seeing significant transmission and risk for those in the school system, at that point she could change her mind and impose a province-wide vaccine mandate for the school system. But for now, it is going to be left up to every district to make their own decision.
0: She has always said it's an evolving pandemic, so we'll watch for that for sure. (laughs) Thanks very much, Richard. A longtime owner of a popular Metro Vancouver restaurant has died from COVID-19. John Carroll started the iconic Charlie Don't Surf on Marine Drive in White Rock back in 1985. A post on the restaurant's Facebook page says Carroll, quote, lost a hard-fought battle with the disease, October 7th, it goes on to say staff lost a mentor and the world lost a White Rock legend. There's no word on how he contracted COVID or whether he had been vaccinated. A northern BC liberal MLA vows Hill will continue to urge his constituents to get vaccinated despite the fact he's getting death threats for doing so. As Jordan Armstrong reports, Peace River South MLA Mike Bernier says there are a number of factors driving his region's low vaccination rate, including influence from our neighboring province. Welcome
4: to the Peace Region, a place with 206 new COVID cases the final week of September, a place where people work hard, pay their taxes and in many cases don't take too kindly to directives from government.
6: It's my rights, my body.
4: Especially not an NDP government. So with Alberta just a stone's throw away, MLA Mike Bernier says many were inclined to side with that province's earlier handling of the pandemic. Call it the Alberta influence.
9: When government was coming out making announcements in British Columbia that did not match what they were doing in Alberta, people were pointing at that and saying, well, if they're not doing it there, I'd rather listen to that government.
4: Now, Bernier is a liberal MLA, which means he's not part of the B.C. government. Still, as a strong supporter of the province's push to get vaccines into arms, he's received plenty of hate, even death threats.
9: As a politician, it's very easy to see somebody face-to-face and tell them what they want to hear. That's not what we need to be doing in a situation like this. I'm not out here pandering for votes. I'm out here trying to make people healthy, and safe. I want to commend uh, MLA Bernier and MLA Davies who have have taken courageous and appropriate stands on these issues in the interest of protecting their
4: communities. Communities with plenty of people unprotected. While 89% of eligible British Columbians have received a first dose, in Dawson Creek, just 66% have. Fort St. John, 72%.
9: Peace River Rural, 51%. I will say that we're seeing those numbers go up.
4: Good thing, says Bernier, because local hospitals and the people who staff them are at the breaking point. He describes a Friday morning phone call from a physician.
9: He doesn't know what else to do. He's he's done. I think it was the exact words he said to me. He told me there are no beds right now in the South Peace. So if somebody has a heart attack, they go to the hospital, emergency's full, the beds are taken up, and a good portion of people right now in our hospitals are because of COVID. Jordan Armstrong,
0: Global News. It's a tough reality up there in the north for sure. Here's Keith Baldry mm-hmm. on how the relatively low vaccination rate up there, Keith, is leading to growing COVID-19 case numbers in Northern Health.
10: Yeah, and it's a tale of two norths, really, Chris. The northwest has really high vaccination and low COVID numbers. Uh, The northeast is the problem, and the central interior. I want to show you a map from the Center for Disease Control. They update this every week. The browner the color, the more cases per capita. As you can see, the north there, almost uniformly dark brown. Uh, Prince George has the highest cases at 328 in that last week of of September. You look at the northwest there, uh, lower numbers and higher vaccination rates. And again, not just the Peace River, we're talking Prince George area as well. Here's some more statistics, the current statistics in the North. They had a phenomenal 196 cases reported today, by far a record. uh, 760 cases so far this month. 144 hospitalizations the past two weeks. A 17% positivity rate. uh, That compares to the provincial rate of just 4.8%. And a reminder that 32 ICU patients have been airlifted out of Northern Health, and we're talking out of the Peace River and Prince George area, down to Metro Vancouver and Capital Region Hospital. That number likely to increase, as you heard in Jordan's story, Mike Bernier's story about basically no more beds available, even though the COVID numbers continue to pile up and the ICU numbers continue to go up as well. Even though they've airlifted those 32 people down, which include 26 uh, COVID-19 patients, all of them unvaccinated, by the way. uh, Since then, the number of ICU cases in the north have gone up by more than a half a dozen. There's not a lot of ICU beds up there. Look for more airlifts as the virus continues to surge in areas of poor vaccination numbers. Keith, thanks very much.
0: Well, it's one of the busiest travel weekends of the year, but there is weather coming that could severely impact your plans. Christy Gordon joins us now with the latest on a special weather statement. Christy.
3: Yeah, exactly right. So, Chris, if anyone knows, friends or family that are traveling this weekend, it's really important that we get the word out there because this is um, not necessarily unheard of, but it is early in the season and not a lot of people may be ready for it. So we are talking about highway snow. It's not a warning, but it is a special weather statement. It will likely just be on the summits of these highways, but nonetheless, it includes the Coca-Cola all all the way up to Kamloops uh, Connector as well as uh, Rogers Pass and uh, the Pulsum Summit to Kootenay Pass area so we're talking about zero to five centimeters That's zero because there's going to be pockets with nothing at all but those summits could see up to 15 so the time period for this is from saturday night right through sunday so again let anyone know that you know that it's traveling that this is the case and don't forget you are required to have snow tires this time of year
0: well let's hope everybody did the switch for sure okay thanks for the warning christy we'll talk to you a little bit later on now, at the height of the summer heat dome, they lost everything. A hundred days since have passed since Linton was burned to the ground by an out-of-control wildfire. It's still very emotional for many residents who wonder why it's taking so long to rebuild. Their stories next on the Hour. A surprise birthday gift for a World War II vet, one he won't forget later. And launching a brand new boat with a very special mission on B.C.'s most rugged coast. That's coming up. Well, it's been a 100 days since members of Lytton or residents of Lytton lost their homes. Hundreds of them still haven't been able to go home. And as our Gahi found out, there's not much for them to return to. And the Horgan government is now being called out for a lack of help.
3: She doesn't talk about it, but her... Her behavior definitely shows that she's stressed.
0: It is calm and
8: by now cool enough to need a jacket in the evening. There's no danger, but just about everything surrounding them is a reminder of that Wednesday afternoon at the end of June.
3: I'm really easily triggered, the smell of smoke, the sound of a helicopter, anything, a weird-looking cloud especially.
7: You know, the whole town was on fire. You know, the reserve was on fire. You know, people were running for their lives.
8: After days of record-setting temperatures from an unprecedented heat wave, on June 30th, fire started in the village of Lytton, destroying nearly everything in its path. In just minutes, hundreds evacuated. Two people were killed. Now, 100 days later, many have not returned because they no longer have a home here. And what was once the hub of their community also now sits in ruins behind tightly guarded exclusion zones.
9: You only have to drive through. They're living in black. My riding was devastated by fires.
8: In the days that followed the disaster, government promised to support and rebuild. Those displaced are now frustrated that the process has been slow. Disappointing. Lots of words, not a lot of action.
10: People know, Honourable Speaker, that
0: there is a short term, a medium term, and a long term requirement in terms of building back Lytton. That is going to take place.
8: Toxicity reports have come back to show exactly what first responders had warned about from the get-go. What was burned in the fire is extremely hazardous, and now there are delays trying to figure out how to safely transport the wreckage and where it could even be disposed.
3: So we have food and hygiene products and cleaning supplies and anything that you really need, like necessities. This is all a lot of people have right now.
8: With no food store in Lytton. Relief centers like the one here at the SCAPA First Nation are stepping up to feed people with donations they've received. Helicopters. Megan Fandridge believes her house was saved by a last second drop from a helicopter water bucket. She does not want to leave home again, traumatized by the fear of not being able to come back and without income from her burned business and a community to rely on. <laughs> the future for her and five-year-old Helen is completely uncertain.
3: No words for it.
8: And also dependent on the rebuild of
0: Lytton. Imadagahi, Global News. Up next, Mission Possible, putting people back to work. Working part time, right, has really done a lot of good for my mental health. The big pool of talent just waiting to help businesses get back on their feet from the pandemic. And I bet he wishes he didn't park there. The water main break that almost swallowed a truck.
1: In Burnaby Highway 1, we have a collision west of Ghilardi blocking the left and HOV lanes. As a result, heavy volume coming out of Coquitlam from before Brunette Highway and even eastbound slowing down as you pass. Sussex Insurance are your community auto plan experts. For questions about recent ICBC changes or to find a location near you, visit sussexinsurance.com today. In Global One, above Highway 1 in Ghilardi, I'm Amber Belzer.
0: With thousands of businesses across B.C. facing crippling labour shortages, one charitable organisation says the solution is right under their noses. Mission Possible says it's time businesses started looking at an available workforce that's been all but ignored until now. Aaron MacArthur reports. One, two, three. Steve
5: Silvaggio has done just about everything at Mission Possible. Uh, Pressure washing. Graffiti removal, landscaping, working for him more than just a paycheck. I feel I feel energized, positive. I, you know, I, I, like I said, you, you come into work, you get you get all the support you need. Steve works at Mission Possible, a program designed to give people skills they need on their journey back to employment. Poverty, mental health, physical disability all keep too many out of the workforce. The pandemic has proven challenging for employers trying to fill jobs across the spectrum. Mission Possible says companies that don't look outside traditional avenues to hire are missing out
9: on opportunities. Those individuals have lots of skills, have lots of abilities that they can they can offer to any business, and so it's really recognizing that and, and taking a, a strengths-based approach to hiring. Food service
5: and hospitality is one sector of the economy that has struggled to recruit and retain staff. Taco Fino has made inclusivity and diversity a cornerstone of its culture, and the benefits go far beyond simply filling vacancies.
11: The individuals we've ga- engaged with neurodiversity, I would say that they're some of our most long-standing individuals that have been a part of a team
5: and like incredibly capable
7: and, and incredibly engaged.
5: Mission Possible always looking for new partners to hire its graduates. The organization believes it can be part of the solution needed to fill a sizable labor shortage. Aaron MacArthur,
0: Global News. Still ahead, imagining a future without deadly street drugs. You know, we're not going to just go and open up a heroin store. That's preposterous. How a group of users got Vancouver to become an ally in the search for a safer supply. Plus, reaching back into history for a brand new name at one of our region's most popular parks. And how to pronounce it later.
1: Highway 1 is very busy in both directions in Burnaby. It's all because of a rear-under collision. Westbound Highway 1 west of Ghilardi has two lanes blocked and two lanes getting through. And unfortunately, westbound is backing up from just after King Edward in Coquitlam to the crash site. Eastbound also still going through the Burnaby Lake stretch. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision in Autoglass, you also support Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. In Global One, above Highway 1 and Gillardi, I'm Amber Belzer.
0: Vancouver police have arrested a person of interest in connection with a disturbing attack on a woman at a bus stop. Police say a 22-year-old woman who was waiting for a bus near Knight Street and East 57th was approached by a man who propositioned her for sex. When she walked away, he kicked her from behind, knocking her to the ground. He ran away, but the VPD says a security guard at Pacific Center Mall recognized the suspect from yesterday's media release and called police. The 21-year-old suspect remains in custody. A suspected gangster has been arrested in Richmond. Vancouver police say it's arrested one of the top six alleged gang members, featured on a poster released in May. 22-year-old Akeni Enigbo was taken into custody on Thursday. He's wanted province-wide on a number of warrants including breaching probation and assault. Police say Anigbo allegedly had a rifle and handgun in his possession and is now facing four firearms offenses he's held in custody until his next appearance. And Vancouver police are warning about an increase in violence associated with catalytic converter thefts. Already this year there have been 425 reports of catalytic converter thefts in Vancouver. Fewer than half that amount occurred in all of 2020. And in most of these cases, police say the victim is being assaulted. Earlier this week, a 41-year-old woman was pepper sprayed when she confronted two men who were removing the device from her vehicle at First Avenue and Renfrew. It's one of about 14 recent incidents where an assault occurred during a theft. In one case, a pellet gun was used, and people are urged to call police rather than try to confront the thieves.
2: So in recent cases, something that might happen would be uh, um, someone hears some odd sounds outside their home. It's a grinding sound. They'll go outside. Uh, Typically, the victims have confronted the suspects and the suspects will either use a weapon or they'll threaten the the victim with a weapon. And in some cases, um, actually use the weapon on the, the victim.
0: A fire broke out at a home in Coquitlam this morning, sending two people to hospital.
11: Get back
0: away, folks. Flames and smoke poured from the two-story home in the 1200 block of Ravensdale Street in the Burke Mountain area just before 10 a.m. A total of five people were taken from the house, three from the main house and two from a coach house. Two people in the burning home were taken to hospital in stable condition with smoke inhalation and minor burns. A total of 23 firefighters responded to the call. No word at this point about what might have caused it. A water main break in a high traffic location caused a lot of delays this morning. Early today, two trucks fell into a sinkhole after a water main ruptured at the intersection of Commercial Drive and Powell Street. Crews worked quickly to repair the hole and then to reopen the road. In health matters tonight, Vancouver City Council has voted to support a Compassion Club model to supply safer drugs to users, with as many as six people a day dying from the tainted drug supply. Councilor Gene Swanson's amended motion passed unanimously yesterday. It'll see the city endorse an application by the Drug User Liberation Front and Vandu for a federal exemption under Canadian drug laws. Compassion Clubs would allow the groups to distribute safe, tested drugs to users over the age of 18 and would require the same legal exemption that enabled InSight, the country's first supervised injection site, to operate. The drugs would have to be purchased from a legal source.
1: This is a plan that embodies all of the latest evidence-based knowledge about what we should do to save lives and help people have better lives. The mayor said that he was going to Ottawa on Monday and that he would talk to the feds about it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I hope they approve it. We can't keep on losing six lives a day.
0: In the decade since 2011, the province has recorded close to 10,000 deaths from illicit drug toxicity, including more than 1,200 toxic drug deaths between January and the end of this July alone. Straight ahead, here comes the coastal cleanup crew. A new vessel capable of reaching B.C.'s most rugged shorelines and a birthday this 100-year-old war vet will never forget. Metro Vancouver and the tsleil Nation officially unveiled the new name of Belkera Regional Park this afternoon, now known as Tumtum <laughs> Renaming the 1,100-hectare park northwest of Port Moody is a significant milestone in the tsleil mandate to put the face of that nation back on its territory. To mark the occasion, paddlers arrived in traditional canoes, and the ceremony included a singing and drumming performance by the children of Takea.
3: It was an experience not to forget, and about um, Listening to one of my elders, I could actually hear his voice in my head like all day today, talking about the importance of this place and paddling inshore. You can see it, you can see our ancestors on the shore here, you can feel them here.
0: In February 2020, an historic agreement recognized what's now known as Tumtamiuktun Regional Park. Tumtamiukhtun Belkara Regional Park as the tsleil ancestral home. A Nanaimo-based charity is celebrating a big purchase that will boost its marine mission. Kylie Stanton has more on how volunteers with Rugged Coast dug deep to launch a new vessel that they say will help them save the ocean. Uh.
2: This moment has been a long time coming. A dream now finally realized in the form of a 10-meter landing craft vessel.
9: It increases their efficiency dramatically.
2: The Rugged Coast Research Society has been cleaning up marine debris for several years now, paying particular attention to the high accumulation areas between Bamfield and Brooks Peninsula on the west coast of Vancouver Island. So remote, it's often only accessible by way of paddle boards or Zodiac, The waste pulled out one piece at a time, until now.
8: We can go four times as much with this, but that is probably four times as fast.
2: In its short time in operation, the vessel has already completed four large-scale cleanup projects, removing roughly 65,000 kilograms of debris. One, two, three... And that's something to celebrate. It
9: is a win-win for everybody.
2: But it's required some major fundraising. This past spring, the Stanley DeVos Fund, administered through the Nanaimo Foundation, kicked things off with a donation of $65,000, promising to match every additional $10,000 raised until the fundraising goal was finally achieved amounting to $145,000.
1: For volunteers to contribute their time and for local donors who are passionate about supporting our environment, those combined efforts have been pretty remarkable.
2: Perfect! And this is a chance to not only see where the dollars went, but the good they will do firsthand.
9: Tangible is the word and not some pie-in-the-sky things say by 2050 we're going to have this and this, you know, come on,
2: <laughs> let's do it now. The Society's focus will continue to be on removing fishing gear, posing a threat to marine life, as well as the mass of styrofoam and plastics. Only now, it will be on a much larger scale.
8: It's been much appreciated and uh, and we're
0: definitely putting it to good use.
2: Kylie Stanton, Global News.
0: Bon voyage to the Rugged Coast crew. That's awesome. Looking out the window this morning, Christy, it was very pink sky in the morning, Mm -hmm. which generally is a sailor's warning. And I know you've got news of a change coming in the weather for some areas.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we are expecting rainfall the start of our long weekend, despite the fact that it's an absolutely gorgeous evening, as you can see here, Chris. But it's rainfall for our region and snowfall for the inland. So we talked about this earlier. Here's a look. So we are expecting snowfall on all of the mountain passes uh, across southern BC starting Saturday night right through Sunday. So it really will just be the summit. So don't forget, as you're driving along, you think it's fine, but you reach the summit, and that's where we could see up to 15 centimetres. It is required that you have snow tires this time of year. Uh, If you were to be pulled over, you would get a fine if you didn't have snow tires. So make sure that you're keeping yourself and everyone else on the road safe by only traveling east of Hope if you have snow tires. Here's a system that's driving down. So for our region, we'll see rainfall, but it's going to be heavier rainfall towards the late afternoon, evening hours. So quite significant. And then Saturday night, as that continues to drive into the interior, that's when the freezing levels are going to drop and we have the potential for snow across those mountain passes so there's your Saturday forecast everyone a little bit of a wet start to our long weekend uh, but we are going to transition out of it so on Sunday for example we just have a chance of showers across the south coast and then we're headed towards a mix of sun and cloud as we head into the afternoon hours and it still looks like our holiday Monday is pretty nice and I think he's doing peekaboo in this one Chris tonight's central windows weather window is the beautiful shot that you talked about this morning stunning and thank you to everyone who shared photos of it Um, so yeah Red skies and in the morning, sailors' take morning, but for tomorrow, not today. Today was
0: gorgeous. All right, they are aware and so are we. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, it has been a birthday to remember for a B.C. war veteran. That is a Royal Canadian Air Force Cormorant performing a flyover in Langley today past the home of World War II veteran Richmond Dick Deck on his 100th birthday. Deck was flying a bombing mission in January of 1945 when his plane was shot down. Of course, he survived, but he spent five months as a prisoner of war before being freed by the American military. And members of his extended family turned out for the tribute today. Well, he's uh, one of the greatest people I ever met. That's for sure. Yeah. He's um, uh, certainly a legend for our family. Uh, just he's so strong and and. Uh, I, I mean, he takes dude. care of this place by himself. He's hundred years he? old.
1: Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> yes, yes, we've known him for 30 years next door. He came bouncing over when we moved here and literally bouncing on his hands and knees playing with my dog. <laughs> what do you think about this?
9: Oh, it's unbelievable. Does
1: it make you happy?
0: Oh, sure. It makes me amazed.
1: Thanks for your service.
8: Oh,
0: you're welcome. Still doing pretty well at 100 years old. And Mark Madriga mentioned him on the birthdays this morning, I've just been told, which is very cool. All right, Squire's here with sports now.
12: Okay, um, did you watch any of that Seahawks-Rams game last night? You know, none of it. I wish I did. Well, maybe you are glad you didn't because there was a nasty moment where um, Russell Wilson's middle finger was doing things it shouldn't be doing. (laughs) And the news is all bad. Was a Seahawks quarterback in the Seahawks. We'll tell you about that in a moment. Oh, that's too bad. Also coming up, satellite
0: yeah, debris. Just got to pump this, baby. Oh, here we go. Here's the Wines of British Columbia question of the day. What is the name of the sampling tool that's designed to extract wine samples from the barrel for testing? A. Baster. B. Extractor. C. Thief. Stay tuned after the break for the answer. The answer to the wines of British Columbia question of the day is C. Aptly named, a wine thief is a 12 to 24 inch long tube shaped tool used to sample developing wine. All right, Squires here,
12: and uh, yeah, more from uh, from the hospital ward of the Seahawks. Well, this is something we've never seen before, a Russell Wilson injury. He had surgery on the middle finger of his throwing hand, which was ruptured last night. See, he can't do that right now, which was ruptured last night, and he could be out four to eight weeks. And this is a guy who's never missed a game in his NFL career, 149 straight starts. So for now... Geno Smith is the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. And quite frankly, not to denigrate Geno Smith, Smith, he's no Russell Wilson. And I really don't like the Seahawks' playoff chances right now after this. All right, Travis Green has one exhibition game and a few practices left to decide what players will start the season next Wednesday in Edmonton. That's where the Canucks were last night. They lost 3-2, but they did have Pedersen and Hughes back in the lineup. And they both looked pretty good, despite the fact they hadn't been at training camp. This morning, the Canucks were back home from Edmonton practicing and Barry was there.
11: On the eve of their final preseason game, the Canucks still have 29 players on their roster. They'll have to reduce that number by six in the next few days. One player who's been very noticeable has been Delta's Nick Patan. He's got two goals and two assists so far through four preseason games, and he's filled in nicely in an offensive role. First of all, filling in for Elias Pettersson, who is holding out at training camp in Abbotsford, and now for the injured Brock Besser.
12: Yeah, I feel comfortable in those situations, um, and I think out of, you know, all the other training camps I've been in, this is the most comfortable I've felt, so um, I just take that as a positive uh, in general.
6: His pass drops for Hughes over to Pettersson, rolling puck, now he lets a charcoal, tipped in by Patan, Nick Patan on the deflection. You
10: no, know, he's kind of good at everything. Um, defensively sound, he's pretty, I would say he's underrated, skilled, and uh, can make plays at both ends of the rink. Um, play all situations so it's easy easy guy for me to play with you know we communicate really well and you know he's a smart player so easy to play with.
11: Compliments from teammates are nice but of course Travis Green has the final say he's given Patan the opportunity playing him in four preseason games so far and if Brock Besser is unable to start the regular season next week Patan's proven he's a capable temp but what happens when Besser comes back is there room for Patan lower
0: in the lineup? He's killed penalties. We're trying to put him in spots to actually see where he can play, if he can play in those spots, and and it is preseason, so you know the games are getting closer to real games as you get down to the end, which we're at now.
11: So again, Patan will have to prove himself. He's played 136 NHL games over six seasons with the Jets and Leafs. He's scored just six goals, a far cry from the big numbers he put up in junior with Portland. Who just happened to be coached by Travis Green? Being a Winter Hawks alum doesn't give Patan an edge, but experience might.
12: With age and growth, I just get you know smarter and I learn a lot from a lot of guys. So I came in, you know, not not with nothing to lose, but just with a little extra confidence. Patan grew
11: up in Delta, so cracking the Canucks lineup would be special on a lot of levels. He certainly has a big cheering section.
12: I got friends and family texting me a lot Uh try and, uh, it's hard to answer everyone, but um, it's, uh, it's huge. It's uh, you know, a dream come true playing the NHL in general, but uh, here in your hometown, it's pretty cool. So as we mentioned, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson did play the game last night. And of course, it had been a long while since we saw Pettersson in a Canucks uniform. He spent all summer rehabbing a bad wrist, and he got a chance to give it a full test against the Oilers, And as far as he's concerned, there is no longer a problem.
7: Yeah, my wrist feels great. Um, No issues at all shooting. Uh, Don't feel at all, actually, when I'm shooting one-timers, which was my biggest concern coming into the season. But, but yeah, the wrist is great. great.
12: Things are going to get a lot tougher for the uh, Whitecaps tomorrow when they travel to uh, Seattle. Vancouver has been on a roll, but... Trying to beat the Sounders is a lot different than trying to beat Houston or San Jose. And they'll have to do it with the Thomas Hassall in goal rather than Max Crapo, who is with Canada's national team. But the players feel Hassall is underrated. What everyone forgets is that Thomas is a great goalie. And I think he's just unfortunate that he's here. I think probably in 10 other MLS teams he will be the starter, you know. But... He gives us the the security as well against Austin's, like, two great saves in the end. And I think there's no doubt that he will do the same on on Saturday. So this is last night at the Indian Wells Masters. Voshek Pospisil looks very composed. He's taking on a guy who looks like he's from the 80s, J.J. Wolf, with the mullet and the short shorts. Now, Pospisil would win this match after he did this. Watch. Whoa. 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 Whoa, you know what he looks like? He looks like me trying to kill silverfish in my house. Those things are fast and you gotta do that a lot. Anyway, again, after he busted that racket, which I think could probably be glued back together pretty easily. (laughs) He ended up uh, winning the match, there you go.
0: Uh, That's a souvenir for someone. Yeah. It's also almost never the racket's fault, (laughs) just putting that out. But
12: it may have been in this case. It 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 was much better afterwards.
0: That's right, we're back with Satellite Debris next. Well, we're heading into the Thanksgiving long weekend, so I guess it's fitting that we start with poultry.
12: Yes. Well, not turkey, though. No. This is a commercial for a uh, company, I believe it's South Africa, that serves delicious chicken. Here we go. <laughs>
9: Birds flying high. You know how I
7: feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. <laughs> oh
4: my,
9: baby, my.
10: It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new
4: time of my life. i got to say. Babe.
6: Oh, a business plan. All right, whoa. That's
2: a good one.
4: I can't do this anymore.
2: But we're so happy.
12: Wow. took a while to get there, but I got there. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of old favorites. Uh, one from Babbel, which helps you uh, learn a different language. And the first one from Maltesers.
1: Hello. Hi. Oh, look, it's us. Oh, hi, Neil. Hi, Annie. Oh, no, what's happening? Oh, that's me leaving because I saw you kissing Tracy Dawson outside the office. No, that's a shame. And that's you going to live with your mum. Bye, Neil. Off you go. Hmm.
2: Tous les jours le métro passe au-dessus du café. Pauline
7: regarde trembler les verres. C'est comme s'il dansait. Moi
4: aussi, j'aime le petit choses que personne d'autre ne remarque. Écoutez.
6: C'est le chant d'une petite
8: baleine.
0: The 2023
12: you Rugby World Cup. I'll, I'll have to take some of that. All right, some of those lessons. Uh, okay, last but not least, um, this one from Keystone Light. Hold my
0: stones.
11: Mimes are a strange breed, often misunderstood and occasionally creepy, due to the fact that they come from the clown family of street performers.
6: You never know what lies beneath the face paint.
4: It's best to speak to them in their own language. Talk to me.
11: Have you succumbed to the charms of this mime?
1: I'm okay. How'd you get so smooth?
0: It's a little Keystone Light,
12: hey? I'm sure you've been asked that a, qu- a question. How did you get so smooth? <laughs> nope, never. Wow. surprise.
0: All right, beautiful sunset in behind you there, Christy. Send us off into this long weekend.
3: Yeah. So uh, it was a great start with uh, Friday being so uh, marvelous, really, but tomorrow mm-hmm. we're really expecting periods of rain across the region, and uh, Sunday's our transition day. So yeah, peeking into the end of the long weekend is that turkey. That's where the sun is.
0: All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be safe on those mountain passes.